0: You're listening to a Sunday sermon from Seven Mile Road Church in Melrose, Massachusetts, just north of Boston. To check out more about us, go to All right. So many years ago, before the popularization of YouTube or Yelp, again, this was a while back, most of the fourth graders weren't alive, right? Um, Mariah and I went to a dim sum restaurant on the recommendation of a friend, This friend told us that the restaurant was excellent and that we'd enjoy it, so we went for it. We just went for it. Um, We weren't ready for it, though. Here's what I mean. We're from Arkansas. We just visited family in Arkansas two months ago, and in a week there, the culinary highlights of our visit involved a place called David's Burgers and Bubba's. All that to say, dim sum is not in our knowledge base. Now, this became really obvious uh, when we were seated on the far side of a table at this restaurant with people we did not know, and we were unable to communicate with. There was no menu to look at, and we couldn't really get any help. It was no one's fault but our own. We just we couldn't do it. And pretty quickly, the carts were coming around, and we were being offered these baskets of of food that we had no idea what they were, no idea. And we were seated on the far side of the table against the wall, so we, we couldn't see anything either. So we had entered this restaurant hungry and expecting a good meal. That's what we had been told would happen. But we were clueless. And so with the possibility of hopeful outcomes waning, like they were gone, we just took a shot. So after declining a few items that would come around, we decided to accept the popular items. We'll go with the crowd. It was very strategic. We're gonna make calculated baby steps. And this plan initially worked with some dumplings. All good. But then we were served something that's totally fine and a lot of people enjoy, but we were not familiar with. Chicken feet. Details are hard to come by at this point. His life started coming at us real quick. I know what you're thinking. Did we order the chicken feet? How did we not know we had ordered the chicken feet? I don't know, but I do ask that you'll respect our privacy on this matter. <laughs> what really matters is this we'd had high expectations for this meal, and something disorienting happened quite unexpectedly. And the next few minutes were a complete blur. We didn't have the fast car, but never have Tracy Chapman lyrics resonated so deeply. You got a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere because any place is better. Starting from zero got nothing to lose. We were feeling that deeply, right? So I quickly paid the bill. I have no idea what it said. I was just like, just anything to get out of here. And we left the restaurant totally confused, but we were still hungry. And it was going to take us a while to get home. So we went to the nearest place we knew we could grab a burger. That's where all this ended. So when everything got disorienting and everything got confusing and everything was not as we had hoped, we left that place of uncertainty. And what did we seek out? Something normal, something expected, something solid. We were looking for a place with no surprises. And we looked for a place where we would know what to expect. And so as we pick up in Luke twenty four thirteen today, that's a similar place to the disciples, and especially the two disciples in this story that we were reading about. They want a fast car out of Jerusalem. They do. So let's look at that text, and, and let's see what's going on with them now. This is Luke twenty four thirteen? It's up on the, the board. That very day, two of them, the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So in these verses, Luke is setting the stage for us, and he's setting the stage for the next seri- like month for us. So it's important we get this background of what's going on here because he's setting the stage for what's going to happen now with the disciples. So we want to take note of a few things. They're important not only for today but for the coming weeks. First, Luke says, that very day. It's the first three words in the sentence. By this, he means, this is the first day of the week. This is Sunday. Even more than it being a Sunday, which is is important on its own, this is a particular Sunday. This is the Sunday after the Friday that Jesus was crucified. This was the Sunday after the Friday that Jesus breathed his last When he was buried, and this is the Sunday after the Saturday where Jesus' disciples rested, but also did not know what was ahead, as their Lord was in the grave. They didn't know. This is the Sunday that Luke tells us that earlier on in this chapter, verses 1 to 11, I'm going to summarize for you. This is the Sunday that he tells us. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord. But instead, they were told by two men standing in dazzling apparel, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. This is that day. This is the Sunday that they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to the 11 disciples and to all the rest. This is that day. It's that day that Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them told all these things to the the disciples, to the apostles. And it's the Sunday that, listen to this, because Luke says it. It's the Sunday that the apostles did not believe them. And it's the Sunday that Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stopping and looking in, and he saw the linens themselves, the the linens that Jesus was buried in, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So when Luke writes that very day, what he wants us to know is that this is Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. So that's the world we're stepping into now with these disciples. But he also, with that, wants us to see that the empty tomb did not automatically mean that everyone figured out who Jesus was. Instead, they were confused it was empty. They struggled with this. All of the disciples weren't initially understanding of or accepting of the resurrection, even though Jesus had told them it was coming. So this is the background, and this is the day that the what we'll call the Seven Mile Road story takes place on. Second in this in verse thirteen, Luke tells us this of this story uh, that it involves two of them. It's the two guys here. Two these were disciples of Jesus. Now they were not apostles. They knew Jesus and they had been around Jesus, and they were there earlier in that day when the empty tomb was reported, but they didn't believe the women who told them. In verse 11, Luke had told us, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, speaking of the group, and they did not believe them. That's two of them. Third, these disciples, we want to see this, are walking away from Jerusalem to a village named Emmaus. Now, we do not know exactly where Emmaus Emmaus is located. We don't know exactly where that was today. But Luke says it was about seven miles away. From Jerusalem. So with everything in their world upended, these disciples are walking away from Jerusalem, but we need to see that their movement is more than physical. They are walking away. It is more than geographical. But on top of that distance, there's also relational distance happening here. Everything that had seemed so certain, so solid with Jesus has seemingly disappeared. And his disciples are looking for something solid to hang on to, to hold on to. These disciples were sad, they were confused, and they were disoriented with everything that had happened between Jesus' betrayal and his arrest and his resurrection. And it's not simply that they weren't understanding or not accepting of the, the, the resurrection. We see here that there was actually some splitting on this thing, on this The community following Jesus was not in this moment aligned. They were drifting from one another, and they were drifting from their hope in what Jesus had promised. Now, we also know that they weren't necessarily done with him, though, because as they were going to Emmaus, verse 14 here tells us, they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So they may have had some some confusion, they may have had some sadness, they may have some disorientation, but we can see that they're still talking about Jesus. They were already talking about him, but as we've noticed above, they weren't seeing him rightly. As everything was happening fast and their world is flipped over, there were many ways that this whole Jesus thing could go for these guys. And they hadn't figured it out, but they were talking about him which is tremendous and is exactly where we want to be when we don't know what's going on in our world. See, it's crucial that they were talking, that they were discussing all the things that had happened. And even though they didn't have it figured out, they knew who to talk about. And that's what we want to see here. They knew who to talk about. See, like the disciples, we're broken people living in a broken world. And most of us live with more sadness, confusion, and disorientation than we want. Whether it's anxiety or broken relationships, whether it's disease, whether it's death, they're all nearer than we would like to think. And the truth is that we oftentimes don't know how Jesus fits into all of that and how he fits into the lives of those around us. And so we can have no clue what he's currently doing and how that works into our dreams for our friends and for our family for our faith and and how it fits into the future that we're dreaming of much of life can feel like me trying to order dim sum that day right I don't understand what is happening what I think I want is totally different than what I actually want and need I'll go for that I guess yikes what just happened now I really don't understand Life can feel like that. But it's not just for us, and it's not just our cluelessness at a particular restaurant. Very often that can be life, whether it's parenting growing children, or living alongside neighbors that just make life hard, or sometimes it's just that I make my own mess. Just me, I'm the only one that would do that, but just bear with me for a second. Sometimes it's just that I make my own mess, and I make my own life and the lives of others difficult. So regardless of what brings you sadness and confusion, the disciples were feeling those things on the day of Jesus' resurrection. But even when they didn't have everything figured out, they knew who to talk about. And they had each other. This is what disciples of Jesus do in life. This is why Sundays matter. This is why our gospel communities matter. This is why our tracks matter. This is why it matters that we have friends that we connect with and talk about Jesus with. Because this is what disciples of Jesus do in life. They talk about Jesus. They talk about Jesus. And they talk about Jesus. Whether we're full of faith at the moment or not, we need to talk about Jesus with one another. That's what we need to do. When we do so, we end up helping each other. We'll find out that we aren't alone, or we'll find out that someone else feels just like we do, or we'll pick someone up by reminding them who Jesus is. One old preacher said it like this, talk of Jesus, and you will soon talk to Jesus. Talk of Jesus, and soon you will talk to Jesus. It's because when we talk about him, we see who he is, and we want to talk to him then. We do this by confessing our sins in gospel community and praying together or grabbing a meal with a friend and sharing those hard things in marriages or parenting or how work is going poorly, or if it's going awesome. Maybe all those things are awesome. We need to be reminded Jesus does that in our lives too. This, though, is what Jesus' disciples do. Even when we don't have everything figured out, we know who to talk about, and we end up knowing who to talk to, and that changes everything, changes everything. The more we discuss Jesus and what he's done, the more our hearts are taken by him. And then we want to pray to him. These disciples, they didn't wait for Jesus to show up to start talking to him. They spoke of him when they didn't know what was happening. And this is who they are as his his people. They talk about Jesus. They process life with Jesus in mind. What would Jesus say about this? How is what I've learned from Jesus, the grace I've received from Jesus, forming me in this moment? How's it changing how I respond? What would it look like if Jesus was here right now? They process life with Jesus in mind, even when they're sad or confused. And then, in this story, as they talked of Jesus, something wild happens. Verse 15, read that with me. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So as they were talking, Jesus drew near. Jesus came near to them. Taking everything we've read so far today, what this means is that the resurrected Christ drew near to these disciples. He just showed up and then he went with them. I know that's a very simple thing for me to say, but let's slow down for a second and think about that reality. Christ dies on Friday, is raised from the grave on Sunday, and later on Sunday, he's walking with these disciples who don't even know if they believe in the resurrection. And this was Jesus himself. Luke says it there. Jesus himself. We want to pay attention to those words. This is not someone else. This was Jesus. It was Jesus. This is who he is. The Lord of the heavens and the earth, right after conquering death, chooses this road to hang out with his disciples on, on a long walk as their world is crumbling. As their world is crumbling. Can you imagine that? He just beat death. And rather than taking a victory lap, which I think we would all do, in fairness, like if you beat death, you get to, I don't know, jump up and down, some high fives, whatever. He just beat death and, and he draws near to these guys who don't even believe yet that he rose. This is Jesus. This is who he is. This is who he is. He draws near his people so that he can draw his people near him. See, in coming to earth, Jesus drew near his people. And in seeking and saving the lost, Jesus drew near his people. And in his death, Jesus drew near his people. So the Emmaus Road was not the first time Jesus came near. And it would not be the last time. This is just who he is. He draws near his people to draw his people near him. If you want more really good news, notice that Jesus doesn't only draw near when we have stuff figured out. Remember, these are the guys that have just bounced out of Jerusalem after being told about the resurrection. They didn't believe it, so they just said, we're out, like this. Luke says that it's, not in every translation, but literally it was like, we're out, guys. And they walk away. These disciples don't yet have everything figured out. And Jesus draws near to them in their most challenging time. And this should encourage you, if you're new to Jesus, and maybe even if you're not yet believing him, Jesus doesn't demand that you have life figured out. He just doesn't. He doesn't demand that you have him totally figured out, before he comes around. He doesn't. He draws near even when we have questions or doubts. And so as a church, we want you to feel that here at 7 Mile Road. We We will give you the gospel and safety and time to talk about, to think about Jesus, because we want you to see Jesus himself. That's what we want. That's our prayer. What that means is that whether it's on a Sunday morning or at a coffee shop, or at a barbecue. We're going to do like these disciples, and we are going to talk about Jesus. It's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about who he is, we're going to talk about what he's done, and we're going to do that even when we don't have everything figured out. We're going to do that especially when we don't have everything figured out, which is a lot of the time. And we're going to do all of that because we are still convinced that while we don't have it figured out, Jesus came out of that grave and he does have it figured out. So we want to give you a place, a safe place to ask questions. We want to give you time to think and consider who he is. And we want you to have that here. And we want you to know that we're committed to that for you. And even more than us being committed to that, what I want you to see in the text today, in the Gospel of Luke, in the Word of God is that Jesus draws near even when we don't have it all figured out. No matter what we're dealing with or how far from him we may be, he can draw near, and he will. And similarly, this is good news for those of us who do believe Jesus. If you believe him already, if you're familiar with him and spend time with him, and really do believe him, then you'll also know that life is still still hard, still very hard, and brokenness is still all around us and still in us, and faith is tough. Yet this text shows us that Jesus draws near when we are struggling. He draws near when the world is flipped upside down. He draws near to his people, and he draws his people near him. That's who Jesus is. He draws near to you to draw you near to him. So let that be good news for you. But Jesus did not only draw near his disciples for a moment when they did not have things figured out. He did not just show up and give them a quick pep talk at halftime. He did not show up and give them a get-it-together talk. Jesus went with them. Jesus went with them. He went with them on their journey, and we're going to talk more about that journey over the next three weeks, but for now... Let's just see that Jesus drew near when they were sad and confused and disoriented, and he went with them. He went with them even though they don't yet understand and aren't even able to recognize him. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they can't get there yet, but Jesus goes with them anyway. The resurrected Christ is now walking this road with these two disciples who don't yet rightly see him or his resurrection. Jesus knows where they are at. He's not surprised by any of this. And he's not scared away by their struggles or their inability to see. Jesus knows that just because they don't yet see him doesn't mean they won't ever see him. Jesus knows that just because they don't yet see him doesn't mean that they will never see And so he draws near, and he doesn't stop being near. So the next time Mariah and I went for dim sum was over a decade later of the first time. I know you were all wondering, have we been back? I know that that's what you were curious about, so I'm going to tell you. It was over a decade later. We still did not have things figured out. But it was a totally different experience. It was fantastic. Here's why. A friend of ours, who spoke Cantonese, invited us, and he ordered for us. And he explained what was happening. He explained what we were eating, which was a big step up for us. And he looked out for us. And then he paid the bill. We still did not know what we were doing. We still didn't understand all that was happening. But someone who did know had drawn near to us. You guys see that difference? Somebody who did know was there with us. And it changed everything. Disorientation turned to delight in the the meal, but also in the friendship, in the relationship. Life can be very disorienting. Life can be very confusing. Life can take turns that we don't want to be a part of. But Jesus draws near in the midst of all that. He is no far-off, disconnected God. That's our big idea today. Jesus draws near, and that idea is at the heart of the gospel. No matter the uncertainty, no matter the confusion, no matter what brokenness has your world spinning, Jesus draws near. And he doesn't demand you know everything. He doesn't demand you have answers. He doesn't demand that you're all cleaned up. And he gives us one another to talk about him. And more importantly, he gives himself. Jesus came to this earth. He died for our sins, for all of our disobedience, for all of our disbelief. He paid the penalty we deserve to make a way for us to be near God through faith in him. And then Jesus rose victorious. And Jesus will return to restore the heavens and the earth and put away all sadness, all sin, all death, all disease, and all pain. There is not a thing in our lives that brings pain that will not be made right on that day that Jesus comes back. He will end all doubt, all doubt, about his resurrection, about his rule, about his reign, and he will draw us near for an eternity of unending and ever-increasing nearness. So no matter what disorients us today or tomorrow, no matter what threatens to distract us, let's believe Jesus. He himself, Jesus himself, the risen Lord, draws near. Let's believe that good news. Let's lean into community that points us to him. And let's know that wherever we go, He goes with us. Would you guys pray with me?